Well, I'm very excited about getting to speak to you today, and uh, I guess I should explain why. Uh, I have been practicing evangelism for about the past 39 years, and uh, we're going to talk about evangelism and being a soldier in Christ. And uh, I want to pass the things that I have learned in the last 39 years on to you before I die, because... uh, You don't hear this too terribly much. Uh, The scripture tells us that you can judge a person, a situation, a lesson, or whatever by its fruit. Uh, In the last 39 years, I've baptized lots of people. The last time was the 21st of last month. I baptized a man and a woman up here in the night. Last Tuesday, we baptized 11 people at the prison. Uh, Last year, we baptized 31 at the prison. And you folks, by the way, World Bible School, uh, your lessons had a lot to do with that. I pass that lesson around, and it goes through people everywhere. And then finally, somebody sends it in. And then they get another lesson, and it goes through everywhere. And then it finally gets sent in. So you've had a lot to do with those. Also, this lesson is for you ladies. Uh, I'm going to talk about soldiers in Christ here after a while. I find nothing in the scriptures that says a woman can't be a soldier in Christ. Because your job is out there in the battle. Your job is not in the building. And uh, Ephesians 6.10, the whole armor of God. Uh, Your weapons are offensive weapons. The power of His might, the sword of the Spirit, to break down strongholds in the uh, minds of the lost. So, most of the battle is God just needs somebody to go. Because the spiritual battle is what, uh, what changes people. But, uh, you know, this is a wonderful church, wonderful people, uh, doing all kinds of great things except for evangelism. And why is that? I mean, why have we got to that point? You know, I'm old enough to remember the men and women that built the building over here on the corner, and they filled it up. Then they filled it up to where they had to have two services, and then they continued to baptize people till they had to start Jefferson Street, and a bunch of people went over there, And then they were still baptizing people, so they had to build this building. And about the time I got here, there was a thousand people in this room. I sat way over there by the wall by an air conditioner vent because my wife was going through that time of life when she was fanning, and that air conditioner vent would freeze you to death. But she loved it. But this this entire place was packed. So what changed? What changed? Who moved? You remember, God don't ever change. Remember, hold to His hand, to God's unchanging hand. You know, we He don't move. So we must move somewhere. Uh, I remember the the information center used to be the pulpit. And I remember those old gray-headed men going up there to pray when there was a thousand people in here. And one of the terms that almost every last one of them used was, Lord, speak through me and use me. 
Now, when you say speak through me and use me, that comes from Matthew 10, 19 and 20. And it has to do with the gift of utterance. He's calling for spiritual help. He knows Jesus. There's a tremendous difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. Tremendous difference. These people that fill this church had a relationship with Jesus. They knew it. And they knew what their job was. And they knew who the head of the church was. And they communicated with him daily. So, uh, just my opinion. But I think we got off on methods and sales techniques and systems to do all our evangelism. And we forgot John 6.44, God draws people to Jesus. That's his job. He's the one that does that. We have to learn to work with him if we're going to be successful. Uh, I'm afraid that in our day and age, we've come, become so educated and so high tech that we may have outsmarted ourselves. Uh, God hasn't changed. Jesus hadn't changed. The Spirit hadn't changed. The Word hadn't changed. It's the same. It's exactly the same for us as the folks that built this building and then filled this building. Uh, I think possibly as individual Christians, somewhere back there, we tried the latest thing in evangelism. And after a few trials and a few failures, uh, we just concluded that evangelism must not be our thing. That my, my gifts are not in that area I'm going to do something else. And we just said, well, that's the preacher's job or the elder's job or the deacon's job or somebody's job, but I apparently am not very good at it. And we just kind of drifted away. You know, we don't usually make big radical changes. We just kind of drift away and decided to let somebody else do it. And then the second thing that might have happened is it's political correctness. Our poor country is just bogged right down to its neck in political correctness. And it might have slipped into the church while we weren't paying any attention. You know, political correctness says you can't judge anybody. You can't say anything that's confrontational. Uh, You might offend someone, you know. Well, guess what? We have to confront people with the Bible about their sin and about their lost condition to bring about godly sorrow so that they will repent and obey the gospel. Ask yourselves, were the prophets politically correct? Was Jesus politically correct? Was the apostles politically correct? I don't think so. They told people the way it was. Uh, You know, I know that uh, 90% of you will think I've lost my mind, but I'm hoping for that one or two or three people that will actually say, hey, that's something I want to do. I want to tell you about what happened to me, because I think my walk's been a little different than most people. I was baptized over at Jefferson Street, and after a while, I just got bored, you know. Three times a week, go home. Man, is that all there is? Surely not. So I begin to search the scriptures. I begin to pray. And uh, if you're going to write anything down today, write this scripture down because we don't have time to read it. 
But it's Luke 11, 9 through 13. Luke 11, 9 through 13. This scripture is what turned my business around. It, ta- it tells us to ask, to seek, to knock. And we will get good gifts from God. And then the very last scripture there in this group of verses says, He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. But there's something wrong here. Acts 2.38, I got the Holy Spirit when I obeyed the gospel. So what is this talking about? Well, I searched some more. Who, what, when, where, and why. It's talking about the gifts. Now, there's other scriptures tell you to seek the good gifts. I've discovered that the gift, the good gift is the one you need right now. In whatever situation you're in and, and weigh in over your head. So... My conclusion after studying about gifts is if God gives you a tough job to do, He gives you the equipment to get it done. He don't send you out there by yourself to fight the spiritual forces of wickedness. He gives you the job. He gives you the tools. You are well equipped. Uh, Amazingly enough, uh, our song leader did the very same... uh, Scripture I'm going to tell you about. And uh, we didn't get together. In fact, I hadn't seen, I think I remember him, but we hadn't talked. But Ephesians 3, 16 through 21, talks about to do above all that which we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Uh, This is about doing. This is not about thinking about it. This is not about talking about it. This is about doing. And he says... To do above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's the Holy Spirit. When we got afraid of the Holy Spirit, however many years ago it was, we unplugged ourselves from our power source. And that's very sad. But this thing about, uh, you know, well, gee, that must have been back in Bible times or, or whatever. The last verse of these verses says, In the church, by Christ Jesus, To all generations, forever and ever. That's you and me. Right now, today. So, I got on my knees, and I raised my hands, and I said, Lord, I want everything you have for me. Father, I want to experience this. I want to see it. I want to to know about it. Give it to me. And he did. I tell you what, if you will read Luke 11, 9 through 13, and Ephesians 3, 16 to 21, and the, and the scriptures like it, it'll change your life. You won't be the same ever again because God has to have people to work through. If you volunteer, He will put you to work. My poor wife has been a, a widow for 30 years. I'm never there. It's, uh, there's so much work in so many things. But let's talk about evangelism. We go out these doors. There's 43,000 people out there, give or take. How in the world do you know who to talk to? We have tried door knocking. We have tried pamphlets. We have tried all these things. I suggest we go back to the source. God knows. And He will direct your path. Romans 2.15 Your conscience bearing witness. I don't know how the Lord talks to you, but this is how He talks to me. Through my conscience. I uh, usually always in the bathroom. 
Back when I was a telephone man, I would come in from work. My wife would have my supper on the table. I would eat. I would go take a shower. And in the shower, I would get the name of somebody that I needed to go see. And you say, well, gee, that's pretty specific. If you've ever had your conscience hurt you, you know what you did. You know who you got to deal with. And you know what you got to do to fix it. Uh, it is a communication place. And it, it, it works for me because... I would go to that house. God would have already been working on them for weeks or months or years. They were looking for answers. I had a little short uh, study in the back of my Bible. We'd go through that, and I would usually baptize them that night. Back then, we had a bunch of people here that would do follow-up studies. And uh, it worked great. Uh, you say, well, gee whiz, you know, that, that don't sound right. Remember Philip and the unit. Uh, go join yourself to that chariot. And he went. Remember Ananias and Saul. Poor old Ananias, he didn't want to go. He said, hey, that guy's been killing people. That guy's been throwing people in jail. I don't want to go here. But he went. Uh, remember uh, Cornelius and Peter, the, the very fellows that gave us the opportunity to be here today, uh, from both ends. Both ends. And they, they went together and boom, it worked. Again, God has not changed. We got so wise in our own eyes that we can't hear Him anymore. And that's sad. That's real sad. Uh, remember John 6.44, the Father draws people to Jesus, but He needs you. He needs you to go and talk to them and confront them about their sins. And He does all the work. It's inside. It's not my eloquent speech or blah, blah, blah. It's the spiritual battle that's going on. I didn't quite realize how big the spiritual battle is till I went to prison. Uh, it's not all nicey-nicey there. It's, boom, the Spirit of the world and the, and the Holy Spirit of God battling for those men's souls. And uh, I love it. It's, it's cool. It's neat. But let's say that you want to actually do this. What do I do? What do I say? Number one thing. Number one thing. Talk about Jesus Christ. Don't talk about Church of Christ. In a little while, after you have talked about Jesus Christ, they will ask you, well, where do you go to church? Then you can tell them where you go to church and why. Now, if you don't know why you go here, you need to do some studying. There's a thing called associated faith. If your grandma and grandpa went here and your daddy and mama went here and you just go here because you go here, you need to study. You need to know why you go here. You need to be able to tell people through the scripture why you go here and why you think this is worshiping in spirit and in truth. But just as a few little examples, uh, Revelation 12, 11 through 17, these people died for their testimony. Now, I know we've been told, hey, you can't testify you weren't there. But you can certainly testify about what Jesus has done in your life. And that's what people want to hear. They, this is a wonderful, beautiful building and all this stuff. They don't want to know about this. They want to know what's in it for them. What, what's in it for me? Uh, just in my life, the comfort of the Lord. I think probably everybody in here could tell a neat story about the comfort of the Lord. I had skin cancer going on on my face and they have a thing called topical chemotherapy. 
and they, I would dose my face with it every night. And it goes through a bloody stage. And I was in Indian Basin working about 110 degrees, and I was sweating, and the blood's running down. All them guys are telling me, bye. You know, they, they know I'm dying. They, they know I'm not going to last another day or two. And I got kind of bummed out about the whole deal. You know, I thought, man, maybe I'm not taking this serious enough. And the Lord grabbed me up on the road to my next location and comforted me and loved me and a feeling I'm, like I've never had in my life. Feelings are good, by the way. And uh, I drove clear to the end of the road. I ran out of road. And then I, whoa, look here. So I went back to where I was supposed to prove my meters. It was down in a canyon. And this is a 110-degree summer day, and he filled that canyon with cloud. And for the next four hours, I proved my meters in the cloud. And uh, then it went away, and I moved to my next location. But he told me, he showed me, I'm here, don't worry. That is the comfort of the Lord. Everybody in here has experienced that. Tell somebody. That's what they want, relationship with Jesus. The favor of God. I, we, I could go on for the rest of the day here. Just recently, uh, when my son was about 30, he, f- he decided he'd commit suicide. The Lord sent an angel and uh, held him, and he couldn't move. He's a 350-pound weightlifter, and he couldn't even wiggle. And the angel spoke to him in one ear, and then he spoke to him in the other ear. That changed his life. My son is crazy a Christian as I am now. Uh, I had a heart attack. I got out of intensive care on Thursday to go to the uh, to Lubbock on Friday. I went to the the uh, prison on that Thursday night, and those sixty men got me up in front of the glass after the uh, program. And uh, I've got all kinds of Christians, Catholics, Native Americans, and Muslims in there together. So they anointed me with oil, they prayed over me, they laid hands on me, the Native Americans beat their drum and cried out to God, the Muslims chanted. The next day I went to Lubbock and they said, we don't know why you're here. There's nothing wrong with your heart. People want to hear those kind of stories. I had a stroke. Next day I went to the, well, the next day I did the MRI. And there's this cute little horseshoe right around the blood clot. Just brand new blood vessel, right there. I have a little deadness under my arm, and this, these, uh, my knuckles are dead, but so what? It's something to, this is the kind of stuff people want to hear about. Tell them about what's in it for them, so they'll want to know Jesus. The blessings in Christ, 132 times 14 books in Christ is mentioned Every one of them usually has something to do with a blessing. Uh, I've experienced most of them, and it's amazing and it's wonderful, and people want those things. Uh, in Christ has to do with relationship with God through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, so that you're able to withstand all the temptations, trials, and tests, and to grow stronger every day. And to be able to fight the forces of wickedness. And uh, people want to know about that. They're tired of getting kicked around. That's what they want to know. Uh, the love of God, Romans 5, 1 through 5. God pours out His love within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's why I go to the prison. 
I'm constrained by the love of God to go. When you find people to study with, they may not look like you. They may not be like you. But the love of God, you don't care. All souls belong to God. All souls have great worth. And God wants every man to be saved. And uh, He will put you in contact with somebody. All you got to do is open your mouth. People want to hear about that. The thing about preordination and predestination, which I never understood till I went to prison. But basically, God has a wonderful, productive, fulfilling life planned for every soul He's ever created. But here comes Satan, and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And uh, he messes up lives. He steals things away. He convinces people they're not good enough. He convinces people they can't. So, if he messed up your life and stole your belief in yourself that you can do tremendous things through Christ, don't let him. Uh, You can take it all back through Christ. All you got to do is just pray. And it'll be back in a flash. And God is no respecter of persons. He's done this for me. He will do it for you. One of the most amazing men I know is a, is a thug from Carlsbad that was a drug dealer and killed people, did all kinds of things. But uh, he became a pastor in the prison. Preaches the most amazing lessons you've ever heard in your life. That's what he was supposed to do Originally, but Satan came along and stole his life away from him. But now he's got it back. If you've wasted a bunch of years uh, saying, I can't and I don't know and I'm not able and I'm too big or I'm too little or I'm too tall or I'm too short, don't believe it. God has work for you to do. But you need to, uh, to know Jesus And you need to let Him work through you. And it's an amazing, wonderful sensation to know that God is working through you. It's uh, it's probably the best sensation you can have. Feelings are good. He rewards you for allowing Him to use you. But anyway, this is the kind of stuff people want to know. This is the kind of stuff that will get this room full again. People getting to know Jesus. Uh... There are so many drug dealers and and alcoholics and people that just done every bad thing in the world that are so on fire for Jesus. And uh, there's no reason why we can't. No reason. Except we believe the lie. Okay. First thing you do is talk about Jesus. Second thing, you explain sin. All have sinned. It separates us from God. Very simple. Third thing you do, explain hell. Uh, tormented day and night, forever and ever. The worm that never dies. Boy, that one got my attention. I was born and raised on a ranch. I've dug worms out of everything. They smell bad, and they're not nice. And it's a yucky job. And I could just imagine me living forever in hell with a worm. I don't know, a big worm, little worm, I don't know. But I don't think it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be good at all. So, and then explain about being separated from God. 
separated from all good, all light, all hope forever. That's a bad spot to be in. Not to mention you're being tormented. But then you explain saved. You explain saved. Saved from the wrath of God. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9. When Jesus comes back, He's not going to be happy. He's going to be taking vengeance. That's a real strong word. Vengeance. The people that get to experience it aren't going to like it. He's going to be taking vengeance against those who do not know His gospel. Explain that. And also explain that Jesus died for everyone. And He will save anyone who obeys His gospel. Then you've got to pop the question. When can you study the Bible with me to find out about this gospel of Christ? If you have made Jesus what Jesus is, they want to study. I mean, they want to study. This is something good. They want it. This is not about, you know, having to go to church. This is about knowing Jesus. They want it. it I don't care how old they are, what color they are, who they are. They want it. Uh, the most amazing conversion I've seen in a while is uh, a big Islamic guy. He came into the pod to beat up Christians so they could make it Allah's pod. He's about this wide, about this tall. Kill people in the prison, kill people out of the prison. He converted to Christ because of the love of God. Because of the... He wanted to know Jesus. And... Uh, his old buddy is threatening him every day. We're going to kill you. And he says, good, when you kill me, cut my head off because I want to go to the throne room of God. And uh, that's the kind of people you got to be in this world that's coming up for our kids, unfortunately. Uh, if, you fi- if you get a study, there is a lesson set that we've actually taught in this church called Search for Truth. It's changed... Uh, to quest for truth now. I have all those books. If you get a lesson set up with somebody, I'll be glad to give you the first lesson or two or three. I'll, I'll even go with you if you're uh, afraid, afraid about it because it's a wonderful way to present the gospel of Christ. It's an eight-week lesson. You uh, study with them for eight weeks, uh, once a week, and it works fantastically. But let's talk a little bit about soldiers in Christ. Uh, In the past, we were bad about saying, you know, well, we're the only ones going to heaven. I worry about them other people. But uh, I am a soldier in Christ who happens to worship at Taylor Street Church of Christ. I need to tell you a story about a fellow over in Artesia. Uh, I had something to do with his coming back. And also a soldier in Christ that... uh, went to the Potter's House, which is a charismatic group, and a soldier in Christ, which uh, was a Baptist. And uh, we all three had a part in bringing this fellow back. Because he was, uh, I mean, he had a couple of businesses. He was well off, but he also had a bad cocaine habit. And he was the meanest, honoriest sucker you ever met. But uh, nevertheless, a couple of deaths happened in his immediate family and and friends, and all kinds of things happened. But right now, today, at this hour probably, 
He's meeting with his group over in Artesia that's bigger than any church in Artesia, made up of cowboys and bikers. Two of the groups that, you know, good Christians really, you know. And uh, they have got so big that they can't rent a place. So he has a ranch south and west of Artesia on the pavement. And uh, they struck oil on it. And uh, he don't have the mineral rights, but the surface damages will build a great big barn. I mean a really big barn. This barn's just going to happen to have a whole bunch of bathrooms and a baptistry. Because this guy originally was raised in the Church of Christ. And then he went off, way, way off. But uh, that's what God's had me doing about the last ten years, uh, is searching for soldiers in Christ. Because if I can find a soldier in Christ and bring him back to where he's supposed to be, that man will produce many, many more people than what I can by myself. And I find them everywhere. They're all, they're all over the oil field. Uh, people that were raised in this church, that church, some other church, Satan discouraged them, they went. And then, uh, but when you bring them back, they are amazing. And you ladies, I know some female soldiers in Christ that have been in drugs and prostituted themselves to buy their drugs and just been down and to the bottom. And boy, I tell you what, they are, they're awesome. There's one here, not, well, she's had to leave because her husband's trying to kill her now. He got out of prison. But uh, she would be down at the Alsop's about 3 o'clock at night preaching to the homeless people. And uh, she gave a whole lot of them hope. She gave a whole lot of them strength because she had been there. And uh, it's, it's amazing what God can do if you just let Him. But a soldier in Christ <clears throat> is basically mostly uh, involved in spiritual warfare. It's against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The unclean spirits, the demons... You know, I was trained over at Jefferson Street. Jefferson Street tells you right quick that all them demons left 2,000 years ago. I don't know where they went, but they're gone. Uh, imagine my shock when I was standing about this far from a big old guy, and I saw his eyes turn black, and I'm talking to a demon. I didn't know what to do. I had no clue. I was scared. Luckily, there was one of the old men there that, that they let stay in the pod that's called the council, which function as elders. He knew what to do. And just in case you ever get in the situation where you have one of them to deal with, because there's plenty of them, uh, in the name of Jesus has the same power today it had 2,000 years ago. All you got to have is 100% faith. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. We'll get it done. That's all it takes. But you have to know these things. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Also, there's a lot of other gifts. We're running out of time. There's a lot of other gifts. There's the little gift of helps. I've been at the Good Sam for, I don't know, Heartland now for 30 years, I guess. After about the first six weeks, I ran about of anything to preach about. I was blank. I was zip. 
I got on my knees. I prayed, Lord, if you want those people to be uh, spoken to, you're going to have to give me something. From that time on, I would take a nap after lunch, and I would wake up with a sermon, and I would present it. And my friend Moses now is is doing that job, and uh, he cuts it even closer. He's on his way to Heartland when the Lord gives him the message that he's going to speak. But God is trustworthy. Any job he sends you on, he gives you the equipment to take care of it. I don't care who you are. Uh, the word of knowledge gift out of 1 Corinthians 12, 8. It's about conflict re- resolution. If, uh, if you're trying to deal with a couple of married people that are squabbling, you don't know who's lying. You don't know who's telling anything. Uh, wonderful gift to know who is telling what. Out there where I am, I'm dealing with 60 professional liars. They've been lying all their life. They're as good as you can get. It's really nice to know. Who's telling what, and who did what, and who said what. And God gives you that. It's still ours. It's, it's here. Uh, the speak through me and use me. I mean, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. The first time I ran into this scared me to death. There was a gentleman here that was married to Novella Bryant. His name was Lewis Bryant. He'd been out of service for 25 years. They arranged a, a, a study his wife did with me, and I went and studied with him. We were sitting at his kitchen table just looking at each other because the study I had presented didn't go anywhere. And I started talking about the Lord's Supper. Now, this wasn't any great, wonderful thing from on high. It was just Scripture. All of them I'd read many times, but I'd never arranged them that way. Never thought of them that way, actually. And, but... I realized this wasn't me, but I knew it was doing some good, so I just continued on. Long story short, the next Sunday, he and I walked that aisle over there. He was restored. About three weeks later, he died. The fruits of it was good. You will know it by their fruits. The fruits was good. That began my study of the Holy Spirit. I, uh, I decided, you know what? I missed something here along, along here somewhere. And... Uh, But that's what I want to try to get, maybe just one of you out there, is to realize your potential. Realize the gifts that God has given you. Realize the things that He wants you to do. And give it a shot. Uh, Get to know Jesus personally. Like I say, it's one thing to know it like a book. You know, Jesus did this, Jesus did that. But to know Jesus is a whole different thing. If you'll do those two things, your life will change. At Luke 11, 9 through 13, look at it, see what it tells you, see what you think, and uh, if you think that it applies to you, pray about it. We'll fill this building up in a year. We'll have to build a new one. So, if we can help you in any way, please come forward as we stand and sing.